Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Long may she reign. Presented to you by Aidan Fitzgerald. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long May Shireen podcast. I'm Aiden. I'm your host for this podcast. So guys, season premiere, we're back, baby. Uh, finally, I know you guys missed me. I know it was so horrible living <laughs> without this podcast. I know, I feel your pain. But we're back. Um, let's see, what's happened to me since the last season? I, you guys might find this sad. I certainly do. Guys, both of my dogs died. <laughs> both of them within a couple of months. And you know, the funny thing is, the first one to die, she wasn't even old. My bulldog, Mackenzie, she was like seven. She probably had like a good another five years in her. And she died first. Can you all believe that? Like, we have we had another dog, my elderly pug, and she didn't die first. Like she's been kind of milking the whole I'm gonna die soon thing for like years. And then Mackenzie goes and dies before her. So rude of her. So rude. Sorry, I laugh when I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, I miss them. I do. Sad that they're gone. It's weird, also weird not having, like, pets anymore. I've had pets consistently since I was a little kid. So, like, me going home for Christmas and just, like, no dogs being there was just like, ugh. What? Yeah. <laughs> Sad. Oh. All right. Anyway, uh, happier news, I guess. Um, finally, after many years of uh, begging, borrowing, stealing, not really begging really um i finally convinced my mom to uh buy ancestry dna tests because she wanted to know more about our family and uh, me and my mom just got ours back over the weekend um and you know there were really stuff we expected english irish i'm irish guys i can finally like point to the proof in the pudding but what me and my mom didn't expect when we got back the DNA test is that we're partially Jewish, which, what? <laughs> I did not, I did not see that coming at all. And, you know, there's no, like, proper explanation for why this came up in, like, any part of uh, my mom and I's side of the family tree. It didn't make sense to me at first until I remembered that uh, my grandmother, who uh, lives not too far from me right now, her grandfather is an unknown. We don't know who he is. And based on what little I've learned about genealogy over the last couple of days, I think that I might have had a Jewish great-great-grandfather. I'm not sure. I'm trying to look more into this, seeing if I can find him. But fascinating. I genuinely never even thought of the idea of me being partially Jewish. It's fascinating. And I can't wait to learn more. And I'll keep you guys updated if I find anything interesting. It's been a, it's been a tough re research project for me. Because there's just so little 
about my great-great-grandmother and my great-grandfather and who his father might have been. Anyway, enough of that. You guys aren't here to hear me talk about my life. You're here to hear me talk about awesome women. And today we are talking about Caroline Schumerhorn Astor. Now, you may not have heard of Caroline, but I'm sure you've probably heard of the Astor name, you know, Titanic and such. Caroline is really cool. I love her. Now, you guys will notice in the description I talk about HBO's The Gilded Age. I love The Gilded Age, okay? You know, I never really properly got into Downton Abbey. Like, I, I finished it, but I didn't, like, love it after a certain point in the seasons. The Gilded Age, I love it. I don't give a shit if it's boring. I love The Gilded Age. And through watching The Gilded Age, I've gotten really into Caroline and her life and, like, all the stuff that's being inspired by in The Gilded Age. Caroline was the queen bee of New York Gilded Age society. If there was a Regina George of the Gilded Age, it would have been Caroline. I hope you guys are excited to learn about her, and let's get into it. Okay, boys and girls. So, Caroline Schumerhorn Astor was born in New York City at 1 Greenwich Street on September 22, 1830, to Abraham Schumerhorn and his wife, Helen Van Cortland White. Now, of course, her being born on September 22nd makes her a Virgo, but not just any Virgo. Oh, no, 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 ladies and gentlemen. She is a Virgo cusp, because if she had been born the very next day, she would have been a Libra, just like me. And, you know, actually, I was very disappointed to find out that she's not a Libra. Like, I was, like, sure that she was going to be a Libra before I, like, googled what the zodiac sign is for September 22nd. Anyway. That's irrelevant. You guys don't care. Um, guys, the last time we talked about a Virgo on this show was when we covered Anne of Cleves, so clearly it's been a while. Let's refresh our men memories on the key aspects of Virgo personalities. Virgos are humble, self-facing, uh, effacing? Mm, I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, what's new? Industrious and practical, which, y'all... That does not describe Caroline at all. I mean, she was the queen of New York society. She didn't have time to be humble or practical when she was snubbing all the families who hadn't been rich as long as her family had. Not to mention, Girlie was a show-off. You know, I think this, this just proves right here that Caroline was born to be a Libra because Libras are the queen of excess, and they're also ruled by Venus, which makes a lot of sense for Caroline rather than Mercury, because why would you want to be ruled by the god of messages when you could be ruled by the god of slaying? Just saying, guess. Now, speaking of her birth, let's take a little time to learn about Caroline's uh, family history, parents, and her prime Gilded Age education, and all about her looks. So, before we talk about Caroline herself, it's important to set up her family, the Schumerhorn, in my favorite segment of the show, historical context. Yeah. <laughs> now, Caroline and her family were a part of what most people refer to as the old Knickerbocker aristocracy, which means they were part of some of the first families of Dutch ancestry to land in what eventually would be New York City. Um, I actually have a little bit of Dutch New Yorker ancestry on my dad's side, so it was really fascinating to learn about all this. Now, the Knickerbockers got their name uh, from the term for those, like, puffy shorts that men in the 1600s would wear, like, with, like, the tights and shit. Yeah, those things. If you've ever seen a picture of those things, that's what a Knickerbocker is. Um, now, the colony was originally founded in 1606, New Amsterdam, which eventually becomes New York City. Um, New Amsterdam was a hub of trade and a great place for fortunes to be made, which is where the Schumerhorns come into the picture. 
Now, the founder of the Schumerhorn, Schumerhorn family was Jacob Jans Schumerhorn, who was born in the province of Schumerhorn in North Holland and boarded a ship in about 1637 and settled in the lands of Captain Killian van Rensselaer, another famous Dutch family. We'll probably end up doing an episode on uh, some women in those families. The van Rensselaers are very prominent in New York City. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. I, I apologize to Dutch New Yorkers in advance. Um, now, the Schumerhorns were originally based in northern New York around the colonies of Fort Orange, which eventually becomes Albany, New York, and Schenectady. I think I pronounced Schenectady right. It's a funny word, Schenectady, Schenectady, Schenectady. Anyway, but various branches like Caroline's eventually settled in the main settlement of New Amsterdam. Now, eventually, the British would take over and rename the city New York, but the new British presence didn't seem to bother most Dutch New Yorkers, and they tended to carry on as usual. Now, the Schumerhorn's main bread and butter was shipping, which reached its height with Caroline's grandfather, Peter, who had a thriving business based on Fulton Street. If you want to send anything anywhere, the Schumerhorns were the ones to call, and because almost everyone needed things, big and small, sent to other places, the family was disgustingly wealthy. Like, huh, wealthy, you know? Um, Caroline's father, Abraham, was born in the backdrop of the American Revolutionary War. He was actually born in his family's vacation home in Hyde Park because the Schumerhorns were worried that their boats, which, you know, helped them ship goods, would be seized by the British. So they were like, um, let's, uh, go to our vacation house before things get shifty and they take away our boats. But once the war was over, they came back to New York City. Abraham was now a first-generation American. Now, as Abraham was a third son, he wasn't expected to get a large share of his family fortune, so he opened his own smaller shipping business with his brother and sold large plots of land in Brooklyn, and by the time Caroline, his youngest child, was born, he was worth over $500,000, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in today's money, that's more like $13.5 million USD. Uh, probably, I don't remember the conversion, but I'm, I think 13.5 million USD is probably like at least 20 million in Canada, something like that. Either way, it's a lot of fucking money for that time period. I mean, they were doing very well for themselves, the Schumerhorns. Now, Abraham would eventually meet Helen Van Cortland uh, White through her, well, through their mutual friend, uh, William Backhouse Astor Sr., who may or may not be important to this story later. Just keep William Backhouse Astor Sr. in your mind for the next little bit. Now, Caroline's mom, Helen, was the daughter of Henry White and Anne Van Cortland. Uh, we don't know a ton about her. It was kind of difficult researching um, Caroline's mom, Helen. Um, I can't seem to figure out what her, uh, her father did, but he must have been important enough to marry Helen's mom, who was a Van Cortland, another one of those old Knickerbocker aristocracy. Now, from what I do know, it seems Abraham and Helen were a very well-matched couple and had a very healthy and loving marriage, which produced a whole whopping nine kids, with Caroline being the youngest of the Schumerhorn kids. Now, Caroline would have grown up in a very lively household with her family, who were the toast of good New York society. Her mother constantly hosted fancy dress balls, and her dad was a card-carrying member of the Union Men's Social Club, which, if you don't know, the Union Men's Social Club is probably one of the most prestigious men's clubs in New York City. I don't know if it still is, but it certainly was at that time. Um, now, befitting Caroline's status as a prominent New Yorker, she was given the best education money could buy, which pretty much included all the things you would need to know to be a CEO's wife. 
Um, Caroline was taught how to be a social hostess like her mother, as well as uh, learning how to dance, play musical instruments, and most important of all, how to speak French. Now, Caroline's tutor was Mrs. Bensey, who was a native of France, and made sure that Caroline's French accent and pronunciation was nothing less than perfect. <laughs> Caroline not only knew her social graces, but she also had another asset in that she was pretty good looking. Caroline was a black-haired beauty with gorgeous gray eyes, all the right education and social pedigree, uh, pedigree, I'm sorry, to do very well in New York when she came out in society and started looking for a husband. Now, luckily for Caroline, she was able to get a husband thanks to her good looks and social pedigree, but her marriage probably wasn't what she expected it to be. However, she was determined to make the best of the situation because that is just how Caroline Schumerhorn Astor operates, baby. Okay, guys, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture this with me, okay? Is everyone eyes closed? Everyone's eyes closed? Thought so. Okay. So, it's September 23rd, 1853. We're in the middle of New York City. We're at Old Trinity Church, you know, where the, uh, where Nicolas Cage goes to, uh, find the secret treasure of the Templars. Okay, that's where we are right now, except we're not finding gold. On September 23rd, 1853, Caroline walked down the aisle of Old Trinity Church and married none other than William Backhouse Astor Jr. Remember how I told you guys the Astors were going to come back? Well, here the fuck they are, so let's get to know them. Now, on paper, the Astor family was an excellent choice for Caroline to marry into, as they were even more disgustingly wealthy than the Schumerhorns were, like, barf, disgustingly wealthy. But they were more recent arrivals to New York City. As such, Caroline was actually marrying down, technically. Now, the Astor family was founded by John Jacob Astor I, who emigrated to America from Germany in 1783, just as the American War for Independence was coming to a close. He became a very successful merchant in everything from opium to real estate. That's He had a broad catalog, is what I'm trying to say. However, he made most of his money in the fur trade, which some people considered kind of tasteless, but JJ didn't care because he was rich as fuck, rich as fuck. So who cares about what everyone else thinks about how you're making your money? He was rich. Also, random side note that I wanted to include because this is my show and I can, is that uh, JJ number one's wife, Sarah, worked as a consultant in her husband's business. And she was such a good businesswoman that she ended up being accused of witchcraft, which is awful but also like kind of cool <laughs> like she was like so good at her job that people are like this is suspicious you're a witch you know anyway about two generations later with william backhouse astor jr the family is so disgustingly wealthy that it didn't matter if she had married the older astor brother or not because there was more than enough money to go around also, um, William's older brother already had a wife, so Caroline had to settle for the lower social standing. <laughs> anyway, let's get to know our groom, William Backhouse Astor Jr., which honestly I think is a, like a sick name, like William Backhouse Astor. Like, that's a name that like gives punch, but Caroline did not agree, which we'll talk about in a second. Anyway, William was born on July 12th, 1829, which makes him only one year older than Caroline, thank fuck, oh my god. 
Um, his parents were William Backhouse Sr. and Margaret Armstrong Astor, and William was their second child. He had an older brother, J.J. Astor III, uh, and three younger sisters, Emily, Laura, and Mary, and one younger brother, Henry. Now, overall, I think I'd characterize William Backhouse Astor as a very laid-back kind of dude who really didn't care much for business or really, like, actively making money. He just kind of wanted to sit on his private yacht and just vibe, you know? Like, ooh. <laughs> Which, honestly, I respect. But Caroline was not down with William's attitude. Caroline wanted to advance the family and society and make more money because, you know, money. <laughs> But William just wanted to be on his boat without his annoying wife and enjoy all the privileges of being really, really rich. Uh, which is probably why they never had a loving marriage. And also, like, how can you, like, really enjoy the privileges of being rich if you're not, like, actively interested in maintaining your money? Anyway, I really do wish they had gotten on better. And <sighs> maybe if William hadn't spent most of his times with mistresses... I'd probably think he was actually a pretty cool dude. I mean, he actively supported the abolition of slavery, like, well before the Civil War started. Like, he was in there. He was ready. Um, he also personally paid to outfit Union regiments during the Civil War. And he actually founded a town in Florida that has one of the state's oldest social clubs and continues to be very economically prosperous. He basically founded a party town. Honestly, fucking respect, William. Like, go you. Also, like... His boat was cool. Like, he had one of the, like, first private yachts, like, in history. Anyway, go Will. <laughs> Although he was doing all this to spend as much time away from Caroline as possible, because, to be honest, she had a strong personality that just wasn't for any everyone, especially someone as kind of laid back and chill as William. Um, remember how I mentioned that Caroline hated William's name, like, his full name, William Backhouse Astor. Well, <laughs> his name was kind of another reason that they really didn't get along. Almost right after the two of them got married, Caroline made him drop his middle name, like, in general, uh, Backhouse, because she said it sounded like his middle name was, like, an outhouse, and that was disgusting, and that he needed to change it, so he just went by William Astor after that. Um, that would... That would put a bruise on my ego if my spouse just like, I hate your fucking middle name. Change it. <laughs> I kind of get you, William. But also, like, don't cheat on your wife. It's kind of mean. Um, okay. Anyway, for the first 20 or 30 years of their marriage, they managed to keep up appearances as best as possible. Uh, very quickly after they got married, Caroline be became pregnant and gave birth to her first child, Emily Astor, in 1854. And honestly, if the family had desperately needed a male heir, Emily probably would have been an only child. Like, I can almost guarantee that they would have never slept with each other again if they hadn't needed a boy so badly. Now, because of that pressure, Caroline and William tried again to have a baby boy. In 1855, Caroline gave birth to their second child, Helen. Then after a big gap in 1858, Caroline gave birth to their third child, Charlotte. And then after another large age gap between siblings, Caroline gave birth to her fourth child, who she decided to name after herself, Caroline. But they next named this child Carrie. Um, at this point, I can just feel these two being annoyed with each other because they are four baby tries in and they still have to keep sleeping with each other when really both of them would rather be doing something else. Like, Caroline would rather be at a party. Will would rather be on his boat. Like, <laughs> anyway. Um, 
Then, finally, after these two having been married for 11 years, Caroline gave birth to the long-awaited sun-nair of the Aster, well, a portion of the Aster fortune, on July 13th, 1864, the day after William's 35th birthday. What a birthday present from Caroline, I gotta say. They got their long-sought-after baby boy, and they named the baby something so original, guys. John Jacob Astor IV, who is very famous for a very important reason, but that's a story for the end of the episode, and one day, another episode. For now, it's time to talk about Caroline as a mother. Now, as I've already said, Caroline was as ambitious as they came. She dedicated most of her time to advancing her family and her children in society by living the typical wealthy American lifestyle. Now, thanks to her inheritance from her parents, she was financially independent from her husband and could live the way she wanted. She and William had a brownstone mansion built on 355th Avenue, right next to William's older brother, J.J. Astor III. Now, these two were neighbors for about 28 years. They even have a shared garden for their kids. But boy, oh boy, did they fucking hate each other. Well, actually, J.J. III and his wife actually really hated Caroline because they felt like she was, like, rising above her station as the wife of a second son. And Caroline thought she was better than both uh, her brother and sister-in-law because she was a Dutch New Yorker with over 400 years of history in New York, while um, her in-laws barely had 200 years in New York. Now, to make matters worse, they weren't just neighbors on Fifth Avenue. Oh, no, 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 no. They were also neighbors in Newport, Rhode Island, where they both had summer homes right next to each other, unfortunately for everyone, which kind of just pissed everyone off. Um, as Caroline's children got older, she ensured that her kids would succeed in the next generation of New York elite, especially her daughters. Her daughters were like her key to this. Um, in the 1870s, three of Caroline's daughters got married to three total catches of the debutante scene. Well, I mean, men are debutantes. They were, the girls were debutantes. But they made good marriages. Um, her eldest daughter, Emily, married James John Van Allen, whose father had made money in real estate. And uh, James John himself was a very rich politician. Uh, Caroline's second daughter, Helen, married James Roosevelt, who was the older half-brother of future president Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And he was also of old Dutch New York stock and a very talented diplomat, so good job, Helen. Uh, Caroline's third daughter married James Coleman Drayton, who was a very, very wealthy and handsome lawyer. Um, this marriage doesn't end up going very well for poor Carrie, but again, story for the end of the episode, we'll talk about that. Anyway, things in New York were changing very quickly as Caroline's kids were growing up, and as she married off child after child, her focus of wife, wife and mother shifted as new money was soon flowing into New York in the post-Civil War period. And as usual, Caroline had something to say about that, and we'll hear what she has to say in a second. Okay, guys, so again, let's set the scene. Post-Civil War America. In this time period, New York was absolutely the place to be in post-Civil War America. And it was not only attracting immigrants from all around the world, it was also attracting Caroline Astor's worst fear. And that was new money. <laughs> the Civil War had 
ravaged America, but it also had created financial opportunities for many in steel and railroads and banking, mostly out west. And these new many families were flocking to New York to set themselves up amongst other elite. But Caroline was not so amused with these turn of events. Caroline made it her absolute goddamn mission in life to save her precious New York society from these upstarts, but she couldn't do it alone. So she employed the help of a very important person in her life, Ward McAllister. Now, Ward McAllister was a distant relative of the Astor family by marriage, as uh, Ward's cousin had uh, married Caroline's sister-in-law, Emily. Now, Caroline was well acquainted with Ward, and Ward needed a gateway into upper society. He was just, like, on the edge of it, and agreed to help his cousin-in-law, cousin, uh, with her society crusade. Now, Caroline sought to make strict sets of rules about society in New York in an attempt to basically gatekeep it from everyone coming in. She made it a rule that you had to be at least two generations removed from the source of your wealth, even to be counted in Caroline's eye. Um, she probably did that because her husband wouldn't count in that case, so she had to make it a little closer. She probably would have been like, oh, you need to be four generations removed if she hadn't been married to William, who was two generations removed from his founder, but whatever. Now, Ward McAllister himself once said that amongst the vastly rich families of Gilded Age, New York, there are only roughly 400 people who could be counted as members of fashionable society. Now, there's a myth that Ward came to this number of 400 because Caroline's ballroom could fit about 400 people. However, some other tellings state that to be false and that it was a... Uh, Sorry, that it was a fact that Caroline genuinely believed that there were only 400 acceptable people in all of New York society. Like, out of, like, a couple hundred thousand people. I don't know what the population of New York City was in, like, the 1870s. But only 400 people? That's crazy! Now, the 400 list of people was basically the Gilded Age version of, like, almost like a burn book. Like, if you weren't, if you weren't in, well, actually, I guess it's kind of like the opposite of a burn book. If you weren't in there... You were fucking nobody. Caroline was like Regina George, but instead of nasty stuff being said about you, the exclusion from society hurt more than anything Caroline could have fucking said to your face. Now, Caroline made herself the gatekeeper of high society in New York, and Ward McAllister was basically the gatekeeper of the gatekeeper. He was like Cerberus protecting Hades, if that makes sense. Any Percy Jackson fans out there? You guys excited for the season finale this week? Anyway. <clears throat> now, if you wanted to get to Mrs. Astor, you had to go through Ward first, which was exactly what was supposed to happen. Ward was the person who kind of filtered people, uh, seeing if they were even worthy to even get near Caroline. Now, as the end of the 19th century came, I just realized I wrote 18th century in my notes. It's 19th century. I was... It was probably really tired when I wrote these notes. Anyway, um, and these rules of society were established. Caroline's opinion on everything became more and more important. Caroline created an exclusivity about herself that everyone wanted a piece of, which helped Caroline sort of form a little clique around herself that worshipped the ground she walked on. I mean, holy fuck. She became especially famous for the lavish balls that she would host at her mansion on 5th Avenue. And these parties were invite-only. You did not show up. And everyone wanted to be at Caroline's parties. But not everyone was allowed to, especially new money families like, drumroll please, the Vanderbilts. 
Now, while today we may think of the Vanderbilts as the cream of the crop of old money in New York, they were not thought of that way during the Gilded Age. The Vanderbilts had made their money mainly in railroads and horse breeding, and that made Caroline physically want to fucking throw up. She considered the Vanderbilts common folk and wanted nothing to do with them, but Caroline had another thing coming, and that was Alva Vanderbilt. Now, it might be pretty hard to understand now, but snubbing another wealthy person's wife was basically the New York society version of bitch-slapping someone in public. Like, it was a serious fucking snub. And Alva Vanderbilt was not having any of it. Alva was Southern and had a lot of opinions, and her opinion was that she needed to teach Caroline a lesson by giving her a taste of her own medicine. Now, as mentioned, Caroline threw... Some of the most lavish costume balls and just like regular balls. Um, and exclusivity was the name of the game. So Alva decided that she too would throw a costume ball uh, where she would not only not invite Caroline, she wouldn't invite Caroline's youngest daughter, Carrie. Now the thing about Carrie was everyone loved Carrie. She was pretty, well-mannered, and got along with everyone. And no one loved Carrie more than her mom. So when Caroline found out that Alva was leaving her daughter out of a social event, oh, it got under her skin, guys. It really did. Caroline decided that it was unacceptable for her daughter not to be invited and basically had to surrender. Caroline decided to formally pay Alva a visit to her home, which was a big deal, and showed Alva a lot of respect, after which Alva invited both Caroline and Carrie to her ball, and Caroline officially granted the Vanderbilt an invitation to her annual ball, finally ending the feud between the two families, but Caroline having to kind of bow out like that probably was a big bruise to her ego. Honestly, it would hurt me if I was her. Okay, so because I'm a genius and I name all my sections, sometimes really funny things, I think. Um, I'm going to tell you guys the title of this next section. It's Rich People Drama Creates a World Famous Hotel. I hope that gives you guys an impression of what this section is going to be about. Now, if you guys thought Caroline intentionally snubbing people was the most dramatic of the rich people drama she was into, you got another thing coming because this story is my favorite fact about Caroline's life. Now... I'm sure some of you, maybe, Americans most likely, have heard about the luxurious hotel chain, the Waldorf Astoria. Uh, I personally am far too poor to stay in one of their hotels, but I have heard they're a pretty nice place to stay. The story of how this hotel brand came to be is fucking awesome, guys. So, as I mentioned, Caroline had a tough relationship with her brother and sister-in-law, as she was always trying to rise above her station as wife to a second son. But then, in 1887, her sister-in-law died, and now the premier title of THE Mrs. Astor was up for grabs, and Caroline wanted it so badly, so badly. But there was a problem. It wasn't hers to have. Caroline's nephew, William Waldorf Astor, was married, and as his wife was married to the eldest son of an eldest son, it was natural that his wife should be the Mrs. Astor. But Caroline was like, mm -mm -mm -mm. oh no, 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 children. Caroline was over 18 years older than her niece and had much more social credit than she did. Most of society actually agreed with Caroline in this sense, so people started to refer to her as the Mrs. Astor, and she even got her little, like, calling cards printed with, like, Mrs. Astor, like, the Mrs. Astor, you know? And that pissed off William Waldorf enough for him to enact some petty, but also kind of, like, respectable revenge. Like, I game recognizes game, you know? 
As I mentioned earlier, Caroline had lived next to her brother-in-law on Fifth Avenue for decades at this point. Now that William Waldorf had control of his father's house uh, after he died, um, he decided to tear down his dad's mansion and build a hotel in his place called the Waldorf Hotel. And Caroline was not happy about this development. Now, in the Gilded Age, hotels were not usually seen as the most respectable places in the world by upper-class people. Not to mention the building of a hotel right next to Caroline meant there were tourists around her house all fucking day with, like, horses and buggy traffic and shit. It was just awful. Uh, also, the smell increased. <laughs> but lucky for Caroline, she didn't have to enact revenge by herself because her son was already on the case. Now, J.J. Astor... Total fucking mama's boy, probably because his dad neglected his mom, so they were super close. JJ was really sensitive about the honor of his family, and his mom especially, so he took the building of a hotel just to piss his mom off as a personal slap in the face by his cousin. JD decided that he too was going to tear down his family mansion and build a new one farther up the island of Manhattan. And in his mansion's place, he decided to build a hotel called the Astoria. And best of all, the Astoria was taller than the Waldorf Hotel? <laughs> like, by a couple of floors, I think. William Waldorf was so fucking embarrassed about uh, the Astoria Hotel next door that he faked his own death because he was so embarrassed. But he was found out by the press, which bullied him out of the country, so he had to move to England, and his descendants are there now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Meanwhile, Caroline got a new source of income and a shared mansion with her favorite kid when they moved up the island of Manhattan. Oh, go Caroline, go JJ. William Waldorf, you dumb motherfucker. What did you think you were doing? What did you think you were doing? Anyway, <laughs> not too long after Caroline moved into her new house, she got... I assume the sad news that her husband had died, and uh, worst of all, he had been an ocean away in Paris when it happened because he was once again literally anywhere but by Caroline's side. Now, even though they had never gotten along, Caroline was pretty devastated by her husband's death, but worst of all, in her later years, she began suffering from dementia. Now, dementia is extremely hard to manage today, so I can't imagine what it must have been like to deal with that in the 19th and 20th centuries. Not to mention, Caroline had a hoopla of family scandals to contend with as she sort of marched on into her old age, and they unfortunately, and primarily, had to do with her children. Now, Caroline's daughter Charlotte got very publicly divorced in the 1890s, and Caroline did everything she could do uh, could do to keep it out of the papers, but it was pretty much of no use. Um, her golden child, JJ, was initially on the right track with his marriage to uh, Ava Lowell Willing, but what Caroline didn't know was that the marriage had been on the rocks for some time, but JJ couldn't divorce his wife because his mother was not in the mood to fucking deal with that. I mean, Charlotte was dealing with her whole divorce thing. If JJ had divorced his wife, would have been fucking over for him. But luckily for JJ, on October 30th, 1908, the grand, beautiful queen of New York society, Caroline, died and was buried near Trinity Church under a gigantic cenotaph built by her daughter Carrie. After Caroline's death, JJ was free to do what he wanted about his marriage. And after his mourning period for his mommy was up, JJ divorced his wife. And then a few years later, he met and fell in love with 17-year-old Madeline Chalmage 
force. And because of all the scandal of their age difference and their marriage, they decided to go to Europe on their honeymoon. But during their honeymoon, they found out that Madeline was pregnant and they wanted to get back to the U.S. as fast as possible. So they boarded the first available ship to get them across the Atlantic and back to New York. And unfortunately, guys, you might know this story. That boat was the Titanic. Now, you guys likely know the rest, so I don't need to explain it to you, but JJ passed away on the voyage, and poor Madeline was left a pregnant widow at 18 years old. Wow. She would eventually give birth to a son named after his father, and she and her son would spend basically years fighting with JJ's other two children for inheritance, as neither of JJ's adult children were really down with their teenage stepmom. I mean, who would be? Anyway, back to Caroline. (laughs) After her death, New York society definitely suffered, as three women were needed to manage the society that Caroline had built on her own, and even then, it wasn't the same as when she had been the gatekeeper. No one could manage it quite like Caroline did. Alright, so getting into legacy. Gosh, where do I even start with Caroline's legacy? I mean, she literally, literally defined an era of New York history unlike any person I have ever read about. Without her, we wouldn't have, like, this, like, really classy era of New York society with, like, grand balls and dresses, the scandals, and we wouldn't have anything to inspire stuff like Gossip Girl or Gilded Age on HBO. So thanks, Caroline, for being the Gilded Age equivalent of Regina George. Thank you guys so much for joining me in this episode. I will see you guys in two weeks with a brand new episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the season six premiere, and I have a lot of fun stuff coming up this season, so stay tuned. Goodbye! Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at LongMayShereign2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2 instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.